0: All right, all right, all right. It's that time again uh, for Virtual Legality. My name is Rick Hogue of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm in Northville, Michigan, and I'm here to follow up on an earlier episode of Virtual Legality where we were talking about the hot-button topic of loot boxes. Uh, And in the interim since that first episode where we discussed loot boxes earlier this week, the IGDA, the International Game Developers Association, has come out with a statement that their executive director has made uh, in which they have asked for a call to action from the members of the ESA, the Electronic Software Association, and the ESRB, which is, I believe, the Electronic or Entertainment Software Rating Board. Um, And this call to action is essentially designed to get ahead of things. We talked earlier this week about the fact that certain senators were calling for the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, to either seek or evaluate taking action against certain members of the industry for what they see as predatory or otherwise problematic practices in the sale of loot boxes and similar gambling-esque mechanics. In particular, there's a certain call to protecting children from the addictive qualities of these kinds of uh, psychological marketing techniques, and what we see here from the IGDA, uh, which is a nonprofit association, uh, it's not uh, it's not terribly official, but it is a grouping of folks that are interested in the development of video games and the video game industry to take certain actions before the government has the chance to do so, and as we evaluate this, as we look at what's The actual call to action is Um, I'm also going to talk a little bit about the history of how the video game industry has worked around previous attempts at government regulation. In particular, the entire existence of the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, the ESRB, which, if you enjoy video games as I do, uh, is uh, a common sight on on video game boxes and on those materials. That's where you get the M, the T, the E, and the ever-rare adults-only AO. Uh, So with that all being said, let's take a look at what uh, Jen McLean, who is the executive director of the IGDA, has had to say about the happenings this week uh, in loot boxes. So earlier this week, the United States Federal Trade Commission agreed to investigate loot box monetization and its potential impact on children. Uh, We talked about this earlier this week. It was not the most full-throated endorsement of uh, of a strategic investigation by the FTC. They were essentially getting grilled uh, in the process of having a data privacy uh, committee hearing and essentially said the word yes when asked if they would investigate loot boxes. This announcement, which follows Belgium's investigation and restrictions in the Netherlands on the use of loot boxes, should be a clear wake-up call to the game development industry that we must address how we use loot boxes, especially when they're in games played by children. Random loot drops are a well-established game mechanic and a way to vary rewards and keep players interested and engaged. But when a player makes a real money purchase of an unknown item, a loot box, we run the risk of triggering gambling laws. Those regulations are not always clear, and many people have noted that loot boxes are simply digital versions of collectible card games. But we cannot ignore the fact that video games face increased scrutiny concern and regulation because of their immersive nature let's stop there for a second we talked about this earlier this week the the laws that the senator is seeking for the ftc to uh, evaluate and potentially use to regulate the video game industry are not a great fit for what we're talking about when we're talking about loot boxes and it's entirely for this reason that the esa and the esrb have Historically now for the past year said there's nothing to regulate here. There's nothing to be done because this is essentially digital card packs and you see uh, Ms. McLean referring to those here uh, and the arguments that have been made in defense of not regulating the industry. This call to action is a little bit different than that. It's not the same thing as what we see from the ESA and the ESRB where they're saying the laws shouldn't apply. This is saying, okay, even if the laws don't apply or if it's unclear whether the laws apply, maybe we as an industry should get in front of this uh, because that might be better than letting the government pick how these things are going to be regulated. And on that note, I want to talk to you a little bit about the history of government regulation and the video game industry and That brings us to the Entertainment Software Rating Board. So what I've opened up here is the Wikipedia entry. For those of you who weren't around in the 90s, uh, this whole process throughout the the mid and late 90s and the early 2000s of figuring out how to assuage the United States government of uh, jumping in and regulating what was being done in the video game industry is tremendously fascinating. Uh, But suffice it to say, the important parts here are the, the Entertainment Software Rating Board is an American self-regulatory organization. And self-regulatory is very important here. What what, what happened, and we're going to look at the history here because there's a, there's a pretty good entry on it here. Uh, what happened is there was Mortal Kombat, there was Night Trap, there were a couple of other games in the mid-90s that got some uh, legislators, some Congress people, some senators, uh, ire up uh, back then. And so they had a series of, committee hearings where they talked about whether or not government needed to step in and make things right, that the industry was was losing its ability to govern itself, and when an industry does that, should the government not step in to, to help fix things. So with that as the, the, the background, here's what happened, and here's how Wiki describes it. With the threat of federal regulations, a group of major video game developers and publishers, including Acclaim Entertainment and Electronic Arts, along with Nintendo and Sega, formed a political trade group known as the Interactive Digital Software Association in April 1994 with a goal to create a self-regulatory framework for assessing and rating video games. While Sega had proposed that the industry use its VRC rating system, Nintendo representatives objected to the idea because they did not want to associate themselves with the work of their main competitor. Instead, a vendor-neutral rating system known as the Entertainment Software Rating Board was developed. The formation of the ESRB was officially announced to Congress on July 29, 1994. The ESRB was officially launched on September 16, 1994. Its system consisted of five age-based ratings: Early Childhood, Kids to Adults, Teen, Mature, and Adults Only. The ESRB would also use descriptors with brief explanations of the content contained in a game. And so, those of us who have been involved in video games for a long time and have enjoyed them have have seen these ratings on everything that we've ever played basically in our adult lives. And over time, the ESRB has modified its approach uh, in response to other potential government action against the industry by adding references to in-app purchases or in-game purchases to try to talk about downloadable content and whether you were getting everything that you were supposed to in the box uh, and to otherwise uh, make more efficient the descriptors and more uh, educational the descriptors that are on the outside of the box to help uh, inform and allow, uh, particularly parents, but everyone, to evaluate what's in the package that they're getting with the video game. So the story of the video game industry for the past two or three decades is the story of looking at a potential government interference, looking at a potential regulatory framework, and jumping in ahead of the game because they think they can make rules, in all honesty, that are a little bit less uh, draconian or less problematic, but that they can make rules that will cover the industry, will keep people safe, And not have a third party like the U.S. government or like international governments jump in and and take over for them. So with that as the background, we look to see from the IGDA a similar approach. They're saying, hey, we've done this before. The FTC is serious. The government's serious. And they're going to jump in and do this for us if we don't get ahead of the curve. Now. I don't necessarily agree. I don't know that there's a ton of appetite for the Federal Trade Commission to jump in here. This story is being blown up a little bit by the fact that it happened at all. But what we see when we look at that transcript and what actually occurred is that uh, there is a senator or senators that are concerned about this issue doesn't appear to be a majority, but that are asking for the Federal Trade Commission to jump in, and they have obliged. They have said yes. Uh, it, it doesn't appear to have a great deal of passion behind it, but you never know. These things can certainly affect whole industries, and they can they can uh, get out of hand as well. So with that as the background, let's take a look at what Ms. McLean asks for in respect of a call to action. We have a blueprint for taking action as a committee and industry in how we establish clear, easy-to-understand game ratings and content descriptions so that consumers, and especially parents, understand what's in the games they or their children play. We just discussed that with the ESRB. As an industry and community, we should take the following steps immediately. Uh, Affirm an industry commitment to not market loot boxes to children. Clearly disclose the odds of different rewards when purchasing loot boxes and launch a coordinated education campaign that boosts awareness of the parental controls that are already available to appropriately limit how players engage with games so let's take those one at a time and let's take them in reverse order because i think that's basically the odds that something's going to happen here Uh, so the third one launch a coordinated education campaign that boosts awareness of the parental controls that are available is a fait accompli There is no reason that the ESA or the ESRB or other industry trade association groups couldn't do this. I think it is very likely that this is going to happen. There has already been widespread publication of loot boxes. You're getting now with Fortnite that doesn't use loot boxes stories about addiction and uh, today show entries about about divorces in Britain. And so there is a clear desire, I think, and a clear uh, interest that the industry has In essentially putting up websites, maybe a radio ad or two, maybe something a little bit bigger, but not much that essentially puts out there, hey, we're already covering most of this stuff. Parental controls are available. We've got buttons that you can click on all of our systems that help you prevent kids from getting in where they shouldn't be or where you don't want them to be. And basically what we need to do is a marketing campaign for the industry that says, we're on this. We're taking care of it. There's no reason for a third-party heavy to come in and take care of it for us. I think that's absolutely going to happen. I think this is an excellent call to action, and it would be a call to action I would echo. Uh, Let's look at the second one. Clearly disclose the odds of different rewards when purchasing loot boxes. I don't think there's anything objectively wrong with this as a position to take, where I get concerned is in the optics. Uh, So if you think about what a loot table is going to look like for any given loot box in say uh, Overwatch or what used to be Battlefront, uh, then you're going to see a table that rightly is going to describe very few real wins uh, and that a player can achieve, and a lot of what we might describe as junk, uh, whether or not that's avatar images or spray paints that you can put on the walls, things that aren't as good as a really fancy skin or a new character or a new weapon uh, or a new weapon skin. Uh, but but what you're going to have in that table is something that looks very very much like a slot machine table, uh, a payouts table, uh, something that makes the the process of Opening a loot box looks even more like gambling than perhaps it already does. And from an optical perspective, while information would be good here, and I don't think there's a problem in in having that be put out there necessarily if you come to some kind of accord with the government or other parties that could regulate you, if you do it on your own, I think you lose the high ground in terms of describing loot boxes as not gambling. Um, and certainly I think it's useful if you're looking at the video game industry to say, okay, if we're going to start talking about calls to action and if we're going to defend ourselves from government regulation, we are definitely going to want to bring in the collectible card game aspect of it or the mystery box aspect of it that, okay, you government, you need to be cautious here because do we really want to prohibit people from going on to Amazon or going on to another uh, internet uh, retail location and buying their favorite pack of magic cards or buying a mystery box item from somebody that's clearing shelves and you get 20 bucks and they promise you a set amount of value and you get it back, uh, is, is that gambling because you now don't know whether the value you ascribe to it is the same as they ascribe to it and we're really going to talk about not basing what value is on, on the cash amounts that something could be saleable for. And so I think you can bring in all those arguments, but certainly when you talk about disclosing what you've got the potential for winning, the more you make it look like a Las Vegas casino, the harder time you're going to have arguing the point if you are faced with that Senate committee hearing later on in the year or next year. So I think you want to be cautious with this one. And so while I think it's hearts in the right place and I'm never against getting more transparency and more information to players from an industry perspective, You have to be careful with what steps you take in advance of actually being regulated. Uh, And on the last point, affirm an industry commitment to not market loot boxes to children. I think this is great in spirit. I don't really think the industry takes a special effort to market things uh, to children uh, that are uh, credit card payments and things of the like. I do think this is a non-starter when we're talking about the real politic of talking to Congress, talking to the government, talking to the president. Um, I think that you've lost the fight when you're representing the video game industry about what's marketed to children, period. Every video game is marketed to children, regardless of whether it's Red Dead Redemption 2 or Mortal Kombat 8 or uh, Katamari Damacy. It doesn't matter when you're talking about people outside the industry, people that are legislators, people that may be on the older side of the demographic spectrum. These folks view the video game industry as an industry for children, period. So I don't think you can get in front of, hey, we've got these games. Sure, they've got cartoony characters or they're violent or they're not appropriate for children. We've got an M on the outside of the box. Uh, but we're not going to try to sell these loot boxes to children. You have to take our words for it. I think that argument, as right as it might be, is a non-starter when we're talking about the, rea- the reality of the situation. Uh, I think that there are better actions and defenses to take in respect of the for the children argument. I think the best one to take is that for the most part, you can't buy digital content without a credit card. I think that what the industry should potentially think of doing is having all entry points where you've got even a remotely gambling-like mechanic require a credit card payment at that point in time rather than allowing things like wallets and account payments to pay for those things where you can get into an area where maybe a kid could have a $20 bill or a $50 bill, go to the GameStop, get a PSN network card, put that in the wallet, and use that to buy loot boxes. If you want to avoid that whole story and that whole evidentiary chain in front of Congress, I think one thing you can do in advance is make it a requirement at the system level, the Sony level, the Microsoft level, the Nintendo level, to say, okay, if you've got these mechanics we, you can't use our wallets. You can't use anything on deposit. You can't use anything that doesn't connect right now to a credit card. And because credit cards are only issuable because they're contract relationships to adults, uh, that should get you 90% of the way towards saying loot boxes are not available to children. Obviously, 18-year-olds can have credit cards. Most gambling laws are 21. You've got a bit of an, a spread there. But I think for the most part, we're not talking about protecting 18 year olds when we're talking about real worry here. We're talking about the, the real young kids. And I think with credit cards as your baseline, you're going to get a lot farther than just asserting that you're not going to market these things to children. Um, so I, that's really my thoughts on this. I think it's an excellent, excellent discussion to be having. I think the IGDA should be having it. I think the ESA should be having it. I think the ESRB should be having it. It's not specifically related to the law, as we talked about earlier this week, because the law doesn't necessarily fit what the senators want to do with respect to the industry. But certainly, if you want to head off a new law being put into place or a different law being evaluated to potentially regulate your industry, I think now is an appropriate time to discuss things that can be done to get in front of that fight. And uh, I think these are some good starting points uh with with a few modifications so with that all being said thank you for listening to virtual legality again and for for uh checking out my youtube channel if you like this please give it a like uh please subscribe and please check out my other videos i've got a number of discussions that i've had with uh, the the easy allies talking about legal matters and video games talked a little bit about michigan sports uh, and i've talked uh, a, a lot about various things in between so again if you like it check it out Uh, And if you didn't, you can let me know that as well. All feedback is appreciated. I mean that sincerely. Thanks for listening.